Five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglash for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Okay, we got some interesting stuff today. And uh, I'm planning today to launch my Indiegogo, uh, my Indiegogo campaign for my latest invention, uh, EasyBees.com. You can check it out there. Uh, I better put a link to the Indiegogo over there because it's the only place that you can you can back it. Uh, but we've invented a new easy way to enjoy bees, honeybees. And uh, you may even get some honey. You may not. You may not get bees. It's basically a way to put up habitat like you put up a birdhouse. When you put up a birdhouse, there's no guarantee that a bird will move in. But if you have the right kind of birdhouse in the right kind of spot, it'll probably work. And uh, for me... Uh, I did that with bluebirds 30 years ago, and I've had bluebirds ever since. And I'd never seen a bluebird in my life. Now I see them all the time. So, on that note, we'll move on. Let's get over to the fun stuff. Uh, this is a campaign for. Uh, well, we'll let just we'll let just let you watch it. It's. <laughs> I could not figure this one out when I was watching it. Here comes Strength. the fashion model on the runway. Design. I thought. Ripguard technology. Everybody's all dolled up. And a fragrance up. this alluring could only belong to a powerful. And it's a glad commercial. And the, the host is cleaning up the old carcass of the lobster and throwing it in the bag, which is something my wife particularly hates when the. The cherry blossom fragrance. It's all fabulous. It's all it's all glad. Isn't that great? <laughs> I just think that's funny. And so, as usual, we have the backstory over here from uh, from Adland TV, who reviews a lot of other stuff. Uh, this is by Hype World. I'm, I don't know. That's maybe first and last name. <laughs> Hype World. Anyway, uh, so this... Uh, style and stuff, employing style and substance, the ad introduces a woman in studding pink dress who turns the heads of high fashion party goers. The cherry blossom aroma glammed up patrons spot the host toting, toting the pink Force Flex Plus bag. When, you know, I thought it was describing her outfit with the with the different uh, with the different colors and scents, and then all of a sudden it goes into ripstop material i thought ripstop material why would you need that anyway maybe to get more value out of your you know your one use gown or something anyway so then and then the the neighbor next door you know is is uh stunned by the whole thing i think that's probably true okay here's one from the hustle are the d to c companies i put fuggled <laughs> Because I didn't know what else to put. Uh, what were once perceived as e-commerce strengths have become weaknesses. Yeah, that's because you depended entirely on e-commerce. And so, you know, now we have to rethink that. This is from Rob Litterst uh, at The Hustle. I think so, yeah. And uh, so if you're reading this through a pair of Warby Parker glasses in the comfort of your Allbirds, you're likely aware of the rapid rise of direct-to-consumer internet, but it didn't have to be internet, you know, didn't have for sure. There's lots of brands that were direct-to-consumer, like L.L. Bean, famously, right? Always have been. Land's End and others. And sure, they have some stores, but mainly 
their catalog companies. So uh, there was a rapid rise, but the what's going on, according to Marker's Alex Kantrowitz, the direct-to-consumer model is promising when costs are kept low. Without physical stores, companies used cheap Facebook ads to build brand recognition. And this is before our brains were able to turn off all the sidebar ads. <laughs> so it actually, it actually, not only was the ad cheap, but the cost per lead or cost per click was, or the, the, the ability to generate views was better also. So, um, and then you had ad tracking to pinpoint customers and low-cost shipping to make deliveries. Okay, so the whole thing was a perfect storm because nobody thought the internet. I remember uh, I talked about Rodney Joffrey, Joffe the other day, and I remember his talk at the uh, at the catalog conference, probably in '96 or '7, and he was talking about how we we'd all be buying things through the internet, and I thought, nah. <laughs> First thing I ever bought from the internet was a cheesehead hat. <laughs> For my mom, uh, I called a company, or I called, uh, you know, I saw an ad, and I called the, the 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 number, the phone number on it. It didn't have a click, it didn't have a, a URL, and and uh, it just had an ad. And I asked the guy, you know, how he got into e-commerce, and he said, I don't even. He said, I don't even own a computer. I just put up this ad, and uh, people call me, and I pack it up and ship it, and I'll take your credit card, and uh, and. So that was the first internet transaction I placed. I remember all that. I remember the first time I booked an airline ticket. I went to England. I took my wife, and we were in the very last row of of the Northwest Orient, or the Northwest, I guess, airline. And the seats don't recline in that last row. And she said, well, how'd you get us this crummy seats? And I said, well, I was surprised we even, they let us on the plane. <laughs> My ticket was literally half of what it would have been if I would have called my travel agent. So uh, fun things happen. Anyway, now we're buying on the Internet. But here's the situation now. Facebook ad prices have tripled in the last two years, just two years. That's before big inflation, right? They were tripling in the middle of the pandemic when nothing was going up. So Facebook ads uh, and when Warby Parker went IPO, they only had a 13% brand awareness. Only 13% of shoe of glass glasses buyers had heard of them. Okay, and so now good luck trying to get even to that point. Okay, AT or the uh, Apple OS iOS 14.5 requires advertisers to ask permission to get opt positive opt-in to track users activity which meant that like five percent was i think all that would say oh yeah i love to be tracked it's so funny because you read all these ads about how consumers they don't mind tracking well they're not really you're not really asking them <laughs> you know okay and uh and one and i like this one expert claims <laughs> meta's attribution are now off by 30 to 50 percent is that inflated are you saying Mr. or Mrs. Expert, are you saying that Facebook is lying to their advertisers? Just asking for a friend. Anyway, supply chain <laughs> challenges. The price to, for a shipping container has gone from 2000 to 15000 
since the beginning of the pandemic. So Albert's stock is down 63%. Stitch Fix, which I never thought made a lot of sense to me, was down 40%. And uh, so, but Chewy, they thought, Chewy, man, nah, that makes sense. Chewy makes sense because of the pet's lifetime value. It's really not the customer's lifetime value. It's the pet lifespan of a <laughs> Anyway, let's get over to Mike Gunderson. Mike Gunderson, my friend, he commented yesterday, you cracked me up, John. Thanks for the shout out. So I'll give you another one. <laughs> if you just, if you keep being in the news, I have to talk about you. Okay, so avoid these five direct marketing mistakes. Now, Mike, We'll get to this later, but it's a little negative. Seems like this article has a negative tone. We could have maybe <laughs> five five direct mail fixes or something. Anyway, for those who are new to direct mail, it's surprising to learn how much goes into developing effective of an effective long-term program. I think that... I think that's probably true. I mean, you kind of have to build it. You know, you're building your it with an ad. You're, you're you you know you've got the ad, but the infrastructure, all of the other mechanisms, once the ad is built, uh, are basically outsourced to the television network or the or the Google ad network or whatever. You're putting yourself in their hands, and um, so, but mail, you know, you have to actually work with a printer and get it on, phys physically build it. So that makes it a little more tricky. So the first thing to avoid is trying to do too much by yourself. Okay. Too much by yourself. And, um, you know, probably, and you're already outsourcing the printing and the delivery, right? So... You might want to, since most of your spend is that is are those two things, you might want to get some help in exactly what you're trying to do. Uh, I remember I remember somebody approaching me at a conference or a party or something with their mailer. They knew I was going to be there, and so they they had a just a, a eight and a half by eleven, and they had it folded and they had an address label on it or or. You know, it was addressed some way, and they handed it to me, and they said, what do you think of that? And I looked at it, and I went, hmm, why didn't you fold it this way? And I went like that and handed it back to them. And they said, why would I do that? I said, because then the address label is on the backside of the, of the order form, and that way you'll know who it's coming from, and you'll have your tracking code. And they went, oh, why didn't I get help? <laughs> now... You know, we also did a pro a project, which I think I still have in my in my uh, in my portfolio. Uh, a guy did an eight and a half by eleven and buff stock. Uh, I think he actually cut the words out. He didn't have, you know, he didn't want to get it typeset and he didn't have good handwriting, so he cut words out of other brochures and things. And so it had this look of a ransom note. It literally looked like a ransom note. And uh, he got a pretty good response. He was selling tie downs for for you know, 18 wheelers, uh, for, for tr truck trailers and, uh, the ratchet straps that was before, you know, you could get them at Menards. He was selling the big ones, the good ones. And, um, he got a really good response and he thought, well, if I get professionals involved, you know, it'll go through the moon. And so we actually had sample cut pieces of the straps glued to this 
brochure and all of it pretty type and it was done by my favorite designer and uh it bombed it was just terrible it looked way way too expensive and so sometimes you know if you get a real expert they might be able to figure the two of those out it's always it's you know there's a lot of people with a moniker of professional on their on their door or somewhere on their on their self-influencer uh ads anyway not identifying a target audience that's probably the biggest that's probably the biggest issue because if you if you mail it to somebody that just isn't interested and oh by the way it's not really predictable you know that's 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 the myth of e-commerce they believe that they can find just the people who are interested who are buying right now because you're going to click on their search and they're going to go right to you and and no one else is going to be around so they'll you'll buy it they'll buy it from you yeah okay but um that may not be the case right so there's there it's life is a moving parade and uh as andrew ettinger teaches his clients sometimes you want to do you want to do pre-click advertising right you want to get you want to get the you want to get the customer to think of you before they go searching around the internet so that they're going to you and you do that by directly marketing to them we're gonna i think we're gonna have a piece on angie uh angie's list changed this name to angie which i don't like as much i guess because it doesn't sound personal it sounds like some made-up name um but andrew points out that when you when you you know when you get your ad on angie uh you're not ever you know you're you're paying somebody else to make a, a brand for themselves whereas whereas you can go directly to somebody's home and you can go in monthly and so it's not that it's not once the furnace goes out on new year's eve that happened to me once uh it's a little late to, to, to try for optional uh let's see who the best hvac contractor is no i call the number on the sticker on the furnace that's why i do it so so you got to get your audience decided on and and you got to test i think i don't see testing in in this article so i would put testing as number six probably or right after after audience okay failing to take calculated risks and maybe that's testing uh mike is saying that they try to find new ways to be unique the bottom line here is testing. You got to test it. Sometimes the old works. Sometimes a blank white envelope works better than a postcard. Sometimes a postcard works better. It's lower cost. You don't have to open it, so you get the visibility right away. Um, you know, that's the main thing that direct mail has that, you know, yes, it takes a little longer to test, but once you get the test, you know that it, you know for sure the right answer because you know who responded, but you also know who didn't respond and, and they did engage which no other medium has cutting costs on printing. Yes, that can be dangerous, especially in days of postal shortage. We had uh, an article a couple of weeks ago uh, and I watched a panel and they said, when do you think the, uh, when do you think the paper shortage is going to be over? I said, when the recession hits, that's always when it, <laughs> when it loosens up. So it is, they didn't like hearing that, but that's really the truth. So also direct mail works as an extension of your brand and your business. The quality is poor. It reflects poorly on the business. On the other hand, 
you know, we did a test of 600,000 pieces. Half were on ground wood. That's like a FSI, like a newspaper kind of paper, print, newsprint paper or, yeah, that kind of thing. And we tested a catalog printed on that. We were running on rotogravure, so we could put a lot of ink down and kind of coat the paper with the ink. But we we tested the ground wood against a, a standard catalog paper, a sort of a standard offset that we were using that had, you know, that had a little more of a coat to it and didn't absorb quite so much ink. And we were hoping that we could just cut some costs. Uh, and actually what happened was the, um, what happened was now see with the camera over here, I moved the camera. Now I look like I'm looking away from the article. I think, no, I guess not. I don't know. Hard to say. I'll move it around. That don't do it with one minute to go. Anyway, so we thought we could save some costs, but it turned out that it was actually, it actually had a higher response rate. So sometimes, as we were saying up above, sometimes your mailer can give the impression of a high cost, of a higher cost than I'm willing to pay because it's so nice. I'm thinking, well, this isn't for me, you know. Uh, again, test it. No call to action. And Mike, as a copywriter, I was thinking, you know, these are kind of negative here. <laughs> you should, you could have just said, you, how to avoid direct marketing mistakes, and then you wouldn't have had the no and the not and the failed and the cutting and the not <laughs> too much. Anyway, um, but this is really right. Clarity in the call to action. What are you trying to accomplish here? Are you trying to sell me something? Are you trying to uh, are you trying to get me to, you know, give you my name and address for more information? The recipient should know exactly what your business is asking. And if you're not if you're not uh, experienced in this, you might you know you say, well, of course they understand this. You would not believe some of the tests we've run where just making it a little more clear can raise the response 20%. But one of the clearest things is what is the response device? You know, is it going to be a QR code? And I got a call this week. A guy was a guy was making an offer on a website, and he went to a conference, and he had a big sign, and he had a way to sign up, and he had a QR built ready to take you right to the registration and two-thirds of the attendees were Amish. <laughs> he calls me up and says, John, I know you're kind of a marketing expert, but how do you get the Amish to use the QR code? <laughs> I said, you have them fill out, you know, fill out a, a card, a registration card, and put them in a fishbowl. He said, yeah, but we didn't have, we didn't have a... <laughs> you know, a registration card. I said, well, then use a, use a yellow pad and just have them write their name and address on it. Oh, yeah, that would have worked. <laughs> so not only do you want the, them to understand what you're trying to do, you know, I did some work for Oakley, and they handed me their first mailing piece they were ever going to try. And I said, how do I respond to this? I see you want to sell me. They were selling tennis shoes. It was never mind. And they said, well, right here in the body copy, there was an 800 number in small print. That would be one I would change. Okay. You got to not only have a call to action, but you have to have a way to respond. It has to be clear. And that in itself 
making the phone number, making the QR code, uh, making it a QR that people recognize. Don't hide it in the in the in the you know in the in the product image or something and get too tricky and that they have to download an app and go through a bunch of steps and you know no just make it obvious you say well that junks it up okay let's test it i'm willing to test anyway i highly recommend mike and he's just seems like one of the nicest guys in advertising but uh You know, five steps to direct marketing success would have been, would have made my day. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.